0: praise the Lord for his goodness to us today. So I have asked you to do this uh, before. Uh, it's been a little while, so I'm going to ask you to go on a little mental exercise with me and just think about a person whom you would just say there's only one of them, okay? They fit the saying, when they made that one, they threw away the mold. Okay. Think of a person who just sort of stands out and is an original. No back talk from you guys about me. Okay. Stop it, Carmen. I I hate to call you out, but you're looking at me. So, but thinking about somebody when you're, when you're thinking about this individual, you're thinking, whoo, that's a one and only, that's an original. We were picking on poor Don Werkheiser about it this morning and having a little fun with him this morning, but you know who, who they are in your life. You might be one of them, okay? You may be the one that you're thinking of or, or, or others are focused on here today. <coughs> I think it's possible that we may have a few people like that in our church, some real originals where the mold got thrown away. Here in our fourth week of our series, The Last Age, the focus is on the one and only Lamb of God, In chapter five of Revelation, we'll be looking at that. Last week we were in chapter four and we saw the moment when John saw a door open before him in heaven and he heard a voice from heaven, the voice of Jesus Christ that said, come up here. And immediately he was translated from earth into heaven and he got to see the, the, the glorious place where God dwells. In fact, when we, when the moment after he was translated in heaven, heaven we saw that the first thing his eye caught sight of was the throne not a throne the throne the highest throne the throne of the lord god and he saw the throne and he saw the one sitting on it and what a a tremendously mind-blowing experience that had to be what an amazing moment that was for him to be in heaven to, to see god seated high on his throne and we saw how John was witness to heavenly worship in the fourth chapter of, of Revelation, how, how it was just an, an amazing sight for him, amazing experience for him to hear what he heard, to see what he saw. And now we're moving on to chapter five and John is still focused on the throne still focused on the one seated at the throne. And let's go to Revelation chapter 5, and we'll begin our reading with verse 1 of chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased of God for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea. And all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. It's one of those chapters, again, that I just need to take a breath. What an experience for John. What a powerful moment this must have been. So as John is looking at the throne and he is is fixated on the one who sits on the throne of the universe, he's seeing the Lord God and he notices after looking for some point, or some some, uh, term of time, that in the right hand of the one on the throne is a scroll that is sealed seven times. There's writing on the inside and the outside of it. And what he describes as a mighty angel comes forward proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. I want you to notice that the angel did not ask who is mighty enough to break these seals. Who was strong enough to pull them apart? The angel did not ask who was wise enough to open the scroll. No, the word was worthy. Who is worthy? Worthy, qualified, possessing the qualities that would elicit the respect and deserving respect and honor, possessing, in other words, possessing the qualities that makes this person deserving of the honor of of breaking the seals and opening the scroll. Will you hang on to that for just a few moments? And let me try to emphasize to you how big of a moment this was that John was witnessing. This scroll wasn't just a scroll. This is a significant moment, and this is one that is yet to come but will soon come. What this scroll represents, and and that was uh, um, what it will will transpire as a result of it being taken and open is huge. When that scroll is taken from the right hand of the one who sits on the throne and the seals one by one are broken, it shifts the universe into the last stage. This is a cataclysmic thing that will happen. From the moment the first seal is broken, things will begin to happen on earth and in the heavenlies that have never Happened before. For example, with the breaking of the first seal. A worldwide figure will emerge. A person that the Bible identifies as the Antichrist. A period of seven years will begin. A period identified as the Great Tribulation. Huge phenomenon. Massive earthquakes. One of the earthquakes will be so great. That all of the mountains will be leveled to level ground and all of the uh, islands of the sea will be swallowed up and gone. There will be signs in the sky. There will be wonders that will happen as, as meteorites come crashing down on the earth and into the sea. The Bible speaks of weather anomalies. One of the most incredible ones is it seems to me as I'm reading this, a, a worldwide hell hailstorm kind of storm where the hailstones weigh as much as a hundred pounds raining down on the earth. There will be famine and plagues and much more will take place here on the earth. We're going to go to that that part of Revelation next week, but for today I'm asking you not to miss the significance of the fact that one one was found worthy to open the scroll. We're going to take a few minutes to think about that. No one in heaven, verse 3 says, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. So I'm sure that John did not fully understand at the moment the full significance of the breaking of the seals or that maybe that scroll. But it is easy to see that he sensed uh, that it was vital that someone be found worthy of doing so. And so he weeps at the prospect of no one being found after a search in heaven, after a search down below on the earth. No one is worthy. Then comes verse 5. I love this. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being worthy. Thank you for being the one who is worthy. What is it that makes him worthy? I will just suggest to you that, that it wasn't it isn't the fact that Jesus is sinless because there are creatures, there are angels who are sinless. They have not sinned. And so that isn't in and of itself what made Jesus worthy of opening the the scroll, uh, opening the seals. I don't even think it was the might of Jesus Christ. There are powerful angels, and perhaps there are angels that were, would even be considered strong enough. No. I believe that the elder here speaking to John gives us an idea as to why only Jesus, only Jesus is worthy to open the scrolls and praise the Lord that he is. I submit to you that Christ is like no other. I'll put it another way. I know it's possible to be Christ-like, but there's only one Jesus Christ. Only one. And here I am again standing before you, and this is why I... I I emphasize and stress this all the time. The Bible makes it very clear. There's one. One Savior. One God. One way to go to heaven. Jesus Christ. He's the door. There's no other door. There's no other path. It's Jesus. And if you don't. Put your faith and your confidence in the only one worthy in all creation to break open the seals. Then you are placing your confidence and your trust in something that you should not place your confidence in. I say that emphatically because of the society that we live in and because there are so many who would tell you otherwise. But the Bible is clear. There's only one. And Jesus is the one. Jesus is. The Bible said of himself, Jesus said in John chapter three, verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. I love what Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 through 23 say about this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, said Paul, in the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him on the right hand of the heavenly realms here it is verse 21 far above all rule and authority power and dominion in every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come and god placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way the elder consoled john who was weeping Because he, when he did, he said he referenced the Lord's three titles. And he spoke about them. So I want to speak about these three titles very briefly to you. Jesus is worthy because he is the Lion of Judah. Lion is a symbol. There's so much symbolism in this book. If you, if, for example, if you read the physical description that John gives of the lamb at the center of the throne, you would think, well, that's a grotesque sight. You know, a lamb that looks like it's been sl- uh, slain. It's got seven eyes all over it. It's got seven horns. That, that, that's all symbolism for us. It all stands for something. The lion of Judah is a, is a title given to Jesus because he does descend out of the Tribe of Judah, as as predicted by the Lord, but it speaks of his kingship. The fact that he is a ruler, and we know further on in Revelation that Jesus wears the name King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is the highest you can go. He is the greatest ruler that will ever rule because he is Jesus Christ. He is God. He is God incarnate, and that's who he is. He is the Lion of Judah. It's a sign. It signifies his strength and his absolute authority over everything that the Lord has uh, given, put under his feet. He is God, so he is king of kings. The Bible tells us that he is the root of David. That title kind of captures the dual nature of Jesus. And this is one of the things that makes him alone, makes him a, a, a very unique being. You see, Jesus had a human genealogy. I just mentioned it. It was from the tribe of Judah in the line of David. But he is also the root of David. The meaning of that is he created David. David comes from him. He is the root of why David ever was born. And by the way, brothers and sisters, he's your root too. He made you, he formed you in the womb of your mother by his great power. And and so here's the unique thing about Jesus. There's no other being like this. He was always God, but there came a day when he became a human being. So he is both God and man. And it seems impossible, but it's, with God all things are possible. And one of the unique things about Jesus that makes him worthy of all, all of them. This is why angels couldn't do it. They weren't human beings. They didn't know what it was like to be a human. Jesus does. He is a man in glory, believe it or not. He is still God and still man, and he is there. He's glorified, of course, but Jesus is both human and God, and it makes him uniquely qualified. It makes him uniquely worthy to take the scroll, to open it up, and to see the contents therein. He is both both God and human, and he's worthy. And finally, it's the third one. That I want to take a few minutes with today. He is the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. I love the story of when Jesus began His ministry, and you will recall that Jesus had an earthly cousin by the name of John. Most people call him John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. I think that's where one of the, our denominations in the in the church got their name, Baptist. And, but John was a baptizer, and he is the cousin earthly cousin of jesus he was born before jesus was and he is the forerunner and you'll remember that he went throughout the land preparing people for the arrival of the messiah teaching them to repent of their sins and he baptized them with water but it was john who was saying because some people started to wonder is this the messiah is john the one is he the messiah who was to come and john made it very clear he said oh no i'm no messiah I'm just the forerunner. I'm the one, I'm the voice that calls out in the wilderness to get you ready. No, I baptize you with water. But one is coming after me who is about to baptize you in fire and in the Holy Spirit. And, and he is far mightier and far more worthy than I am. In fact, I'm not even worthy to bend down and to loosen the latches on his sandals. He is the Messiah. And I love it that when, when you first see on scene, the, the first time in the scriptures that I see Jesus and John in the same scene, John turns and points and says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away Way, the sin of the world and Jesus title is mentioned there the lamb of God what makes Jesus worthy to break those seals it's the fact that he became a human being and he died for humanity and he purchased humanity and he made it possible for us to know him and that's enough to even get Wesleyans excited in the lord today i'm so glad that Jesus is worthy i'm glad that he did what God sent him to do it wasn't easy folks i don't want you to think it was an automatic. Some people think, well, you know, he was God. He's he's Jesus. Of course he went to the cross. Of course he did that. I want you to go back and read what it was like to be Jesus. I want you to understand that he faced all the pressures and all the temptations that you and I did. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he never once sinned at all. Not one thought came across his mind that was sinful. He, he, he lived victoriously and perfectly and in a holy way. And so when he went to the cross, he was an unblemished lamb of God. And he took, he did this, this amazing thing on the cross where he exchanged what we deserve and he took that and he gave to us what he deserves so that we don't have to suffer for our sins. So that we don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. And he says, if you will trust in me, your sins will be forgiven, all of them. And you won't suffer for the the sins that you, eternally for your sins. But instead, you'll receive the same reward that I deserve for living a perfect life. Wow. He's worthy. He's worthy today. Thank God. Jesus is worthy. And I love this scene in heaven when the lamb steps forward the moment that he receives from the father the scroll. There's a worship service that kicks in place. And immediately the 24 elders who are seated near the throne get down on their faces and they begin to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The four living creatures begin to cry out. Remember, these are the creatures who are winged. And they fly around the throne of God. And they, they proclaim the holiness of God. They're worshiping. And they're all saying the same thing. You're worthy, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. I love that in this instance. And woo, what a moment when every angel comes around that throne. And the Bible describes it for us 10,000 times 10,000. That's a multitude of angels. Can you hear them singing a new song about the worthiness of Jesus? We've heard beautiful music here, but it won't touch that song. It won't touch that kind of worship. So now they're singing at the top of their lungs and they are, they are praising the name of Jesus. They're praising the one who sits on the, on the throne and praising the Lamb who is worthy. And then they are joined in by every living creature on the earth. Whew. That's enough to even get me blessed today, brothers and sisters. I think about the worthiness of the lamb and what a wonderful thing it is that he is. No one else could have become the lamb of God but Jesus Christ. And he did. And he took away the sin of the world. And today, you and I are invited to share in the table of Jesus Christ. Something he instituted. Something he wants to happen within the church with believers. You see, we're going to participate in a sacrament, a holy act that reminds us and is served to remind us of Jesus. He said, whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Well, what are we remembering? First of all, let's remember that he is worthy. Amen. And let's praise him for that. He is perfect. He is flawless. Let's remember what he did. Let's remember that he left his glory above and he came to earth. And he became a human being and he lived 33 years here on this earth. And at the end of that 33 years, he suffered for something he never did. And he took on the sin of the world and he became the Lamb of God. Let's remember the cross today. The cross isn't a beautiful, ornate piece of jewelry that we wear. Not the biblical cross. The cross that I'm talking about was gruesome. It was painful. It was agonizing. It was a place of shame. It was a place of punishment. It was where criminals were to be. I thank God that Jesus hung on one for me. Because I'm a criminal. And I'm not a, I'm. I'm I'm going to uh, admit that. I, I would be foolish not to say to you that I deserve to hang on that cross. But Jesus went in my stead. and He took all of my guilt and all of my shame and he forgave me of my sins. I deserve to die, but he died so that I could live. And he rose again so that I could live. Let's remember, we are to come together today and these elements the, the bread, that is the broken body of Jesus Christ, and the, the juice or the fruit of the vine, that is the blood of Jesus Christ. All we need to prepare ourselves and be ready. Listen, folks, this is a serious enough thing that God the Father made clear to the church. You can't just take these elements glibly and just like, oh, here's a piece of bread and here's something to drink. You can't do it in an unworthy manner. He says you have to approach his table in a worthy manner. Well, how do we do that? Well, we we begin by reflecting on who we are, and we rely on the holiness of Christ to make us holy. We humble ourselves, and we submit to him. Can I ask you a favor, and I don't mean this harshly, but when the elements are being passed passed to you, if you don't fully believe that Jesus is the Christ, Please don't take this because you eat and drink damnation on yourself. If you don't fully believe that he is worthy, please don't take this. Please, because it is harming you. It won't do harm to me because I, as a pastor, am warning you, but it will harm you to, in a glib way, take the elements of communion like they don't matter. Folks, they represent the body and the blood of the one who hung on the cross for you, so we need a little time to 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 reflect on our lives and to reflect on God's goodness. There's a song I've been listening to as I've been preparing for this particular sermon, and I fell in love with it. I'm I'm asking us to just uh, look at it. It'll be there'll be a video with the lyrics, and I want to give you time to just reflect and get yourself prepared to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper. So let's do that this morning.
1: Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know... Creation coming, Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord? Does our God intend to dwell again?
2: Yeah.
0: the Holy Sacrament that we call the Lord's Supper. He gave it to his disciples as a means of remembering him until he comes again, and as a seal of the new covenant between God and man through Christ. And this service is therefore a time of special sacredness, and we can only be properly prepared by giving our hearts and our minds to reverent worship, and by being freed of all the things that are contrary to his divine nature and his holy purposes. So let us take a moment to bow in prayer, silent prayer, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts to bring us into conformity with his holiness and to bring us to a place of right fellowship with the God we serve. Let's take a moment for prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for being worthy. Oh, we love you today. Thank you for loving us. And thank you, Lord, for instituting this beautiful um, sacrament where we can commune with you. Lord God, we are not in and of ourselves ever able to make ourselves worthy to receive these things. But Jesus, the blood of Christ washes our sins. And we belong to you, and because of that, you invite us to participate in this. And we want to be very careful to show the due respect and honor and glory to your name. And we want to, Lord, take this in a way that honors you. Bless us, Lord, now as we move forward in our service. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Michelle, if you could just help me remove this outer covering, and our ushers can come forward at this time. Thank you, Pastor. I'm going to ask that after you receive uh, the bread and the the fruit of the vine that represents the body of the Lord and the blood of Christ, that you wait, just hold on to them, be prayerful. And then uh, wait until I give you instructions to partake. On the night that we know as the Last Supper, after the celebration of the Passover, Jesus um, finishing that dinner gave bread to his disciples and he said, I want you to take this and, and eat it. This is my body. It was broken for you. Today as you eat this, let's remember that Jesus put his body on the line that it was his body. That was nailed to a cross for us in his body that experienced all of the pain and all of the punishment that you and I deserve. Let's remember what he did on the cross and be grateful as we eat together. Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering in your body. Thank you, Lord, for allowing your body to be broken because you wanted to heal those of us who were broken up by sin. Thank you for making it possible for us to be restored. We look forward to a day when we will exchange our mortal bodies for a glorified body. We praise you, Lord, that you made that possible through the cross. And Then Jesus passed a cup to his disciples, and he said, Drink from this. This is the blood of, my, of the new covenant made between god and you this is the blood that i will shed on the cross for you and so as you take this remember again the cross was a gory gruesome place and blood had to be shed but that blood is precious that blood atoned for your sin and it's for you that he exchanged that punishment so that your blood would never be shed blood of Christ cleanses us from unrighteousness. Let's drink this together and be grateful to the Lord. At the conclusion of today's service, there'll be a little basket or bowl to put your little cups in as you leave, so if you take them, that will be helpful. I want to pray. Father, we bless you for this day, and we thank you, Lord, for the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins. And we thank you, Lord, that you make it possible for us to belong to you. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. I pray, Father, that as we leave here, Lord, that we will maybe depart from this building, but never from your presence. Work in us, O God, to be the church as we encounter people who need Jesus. Help us to not be ashamed to share with them the love of Christ. Bless us as a people to glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. You're worthy, Jesus. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.